Is the hobby back? The price of many cards are starting to go back up a little bit. Sales volume on eBay is up over the last few weeks. Card show attendance is up. Yet prices are still affordable enough for many collectors to be able to buy what they want. Does this mean good things this year for the sports card hobby? We'll tell you what we think next on Cards on the Table. Hello, sports card investors, and welcome to another episode of Cards on the Table, our fast-paced talk show where we cover important topics suggested by you around the world of sports cards. we got a lot to talk about today. Joining me as always, Teapot. Welcome to the program, sir. Let's go Chiefs. Let's, uh, all right, let's go Chiefs, I guess. I don't know. Doug, let's go... Gators? When do we play? We play soon, whoa, don't we? Whoa, whoa, yeah. Play we play soon? Yeah, I think like in a week or All this right. weekend coming up, yeah. Hopefully you fare better against us than you did against Kansas recently. Yeah, but rough game. Rough game, rough game. Of course, we lost to Kansas State, so, you know, whole state With of your Kansas. old player, too. Yeah, They've got your old guy. I gave you softball there. Yeah. I was waiting for you to come at me. Yeah. Anyway, guys, we had a lot to talk about. The three of us just spent our weekend at the Culture Collision Show here in Atlanta. It's one of the one of the big major card shows that takes place, I think the biggest in the Southeast, and, and also one of the first of the year. So it's always an interesting opportunity to look at that show and kind of project out, is this a sign of things to come? So I wanna talk about our impressions from this show, but more importantly, what it may mean as we look forward into the sports card hobby in the months ahead. Is the hobby back, Doug? Did the sport, did this show, did the Culture Collision show give you any indicators of what you think we might see? Uh, yes and no. So you mentioned it's one of the bigger shows of the year, maybe the biggest in the Southeast, but the show didn't really feel like that to me. It felt more like a local show in a lot of ways. Um, we, we had a lot of, you know, of the well-known influencers there. Shout out to guys like Jay from Mojo. We had Roth cards there, Kenneth Fornos, uh, Coleman cards. You know, there's a bunch of people I could name that were there, but there wasn't much of a, uh, like a corporate presence there. Not a lot of the big companies showed up to this. And then a lot of the dealer booths outside of some bigger names felt a lot of, you know, like local vibes. And then when you looked around at a lot of the display cases, I didn't see a lot of high-end stuff. And, and that's probably the, the least amount of high-end I've seen in a card show in a long time. A lot of mid-range to lower-range tables. Uh, but I will say that prices seemed pretty good. People were priced at or below comps on a lot of tables I went to. Uh, dealers I talked to said they were moving singles like crazy. The show was very well attended. There was a lot of positivity going on. But it felt just like a really kind of large-scale local show to me. Um, so you can kind of take that either way, but I'm, I came away impressed overall. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I, I hear you on the high end, but it was nice perhaps for collectors yeah. to be able to go to that show. There was a lot of collectors at that show, a lot of people scooping up singles. How does this align with what you saw? I actually found deals. For the first time in a year, I found deals. When we were at Culture Collision a year ago, everything, everybody was still trying to get the old price. Yep. And I really had a hard time finding anything. I moved some stuff. I didn't find a lot that I wanted to buy last year. Uh, I picked up several things. I, I found a few Otanis. I found a Peyton Manning rookie card. I, I found a whole bunch of things. One of the dealers had some stuff under comps and then was still willing to work with me on it. So I think people are trying to move certain things. Uh, I'm still you know, really bullish on a lot of it. Our Card Kids trade zone was hopping, especially Saturday when a lot of the children and, and young, young people were there. 
great space. That was an awesome, you know, I think to Doug's point though, a lot of the corporate setups seemed scaled back this year. It just seemed like they didn't bring as much. Last year there were, there were bigger setups. It's kind of funny venue. You have high ceilings. It was spaced out. I think that sort of gives the impression that it's not as busy as it might be, but there were a lot of people there on Saturday and overall the foot traffic seems strong. Um, I found a dollar box bin that was on fire. A lot of refractors for a buck and our boy Daniel from D's cards had like two million oh, yeah, cards and yeah. dollar bins. So that was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. And I will say that, you know, with, with, we were at the same show last year. Traffic was a lot better this year. There were a lot more people there. There seemed to be a lot more buying activity this year. Yeah. Even though prices were down, I did talk to several dealers who said to me, I sold a lot of singles. Now I heard from some dealers who brought wax that wax was selling more slowly. Mm. People were concentrated on singles. To me, this is, this is a really healthy sign. I feel like, you know, I, I said at the beginning of this year, I said, I think, I don't know that we're at the bottom point in the market right now, but I think we are getting within, you know, you know, within shouting distance of that bottom point in the market if we're not already there. I think it's coming soon because, you know, I was looking at price trends over the last few years and where prices were pre-pandemic and for many cars were kind of close to that. And I was like, I don't think this can go much lower with the amount of new interest in the hobby. There were several people there. This was their first card show. I had a bunch, a bunch of people say, this is my first card show ever. So we're still getting sure. a lot of new people streaming and everyone seemed happy with the traffic. Hopefully this is a sign to things to come. Dealers on eBay, uh, guys who do a lot of movement on eBay have been telling me over the last few weeks that they see, they're seeing more activity in their eBay stores. More things are selling. We're seeing that in our own numbers. Things are going up. Prices are still not where they used to be, but maybe it's healthy now that the dealers realize prices are not where they used to be. They're pricing things appropriately. Are you optimistic about, about the weeks and months ahead? I'll tell you one thing from the show that, that really caught my eye was the amount of TCG and non-sports. Yep. There was a much bigger proportion uh, of that of the boost dedicated to that. So, you know, again, I think we talked about this last week. I'm, you know, fairly optimistic on that side of, of the market, and I've just that furthered that. I really think TCG and, you know, things like Pokemon really have a long way to go. Yeah, I want to talk, I want to talk more about that. I also want to talk more just about your thoughts on whether now is the time to buy, sell cards, et cetera, because I know that was part of your data dive last week. First, I want to mention, though, our friends at Pristine Auction, they've got more big auctions ending this weekend. They have auctions ending every single day, but they have a one-of-one one Kyle Trask. Yeah, they do. Is my boy Kyle Trask going to get his shot in Tampa? What do you think, Doug? Uh, he's probably not going to get his shot in Tampa, but he's going to have, you know, this small window of, of, of fame. People are going to be talking about him. He was trending on Twitter slightly today. There you uh, go. So, you know, he's got his moment at least. There you go. So now, now is the opportunity, maybe if you have trial Kyle Trask cards like I do. Maybe now it's the opportunity to sell. That one on Pristine Auction is a beauty. It's an obsidian one of one. What do you have your eye on this week with Pristine Auctions auctions? I'm going to do the opposite of what I did last week. Last week, I picked something I could never afford that was really awesome. This week, something that I actually could afford. Uh, so I'm looking at a 2014 Donruss Joel Embiid. It's in an SGC 10. Basically, instead of going out to the sports book and placing a futures bet on Embiid to win MVP, I think he's, he's second now, but he's really catching up to Jokic. Just go out and buy one of his rookie cards. That's a little bit of a safer play. So if Jokic wins the MVP like he should, uh, and you know, I won't be out all that money. I like it. I like the play. How about you? Yeah, I saw a signed uh, Ben Wallace Pistons basketball. Oh, okay. Super cool. 
Giannis signed jersey, a Travis Kelsey signed jersey. Yeah. So there's some really cool mem that's uh, that's signed. And I don't have a lot of that in my collection. I'm starting to kind of hone in on a few pieces. And if you want to scoop up anything on Pristine Auction, when you register, use promo code SCI. You get $10 off your first purchase. All right, let's talk about your data dive from this last weekend where you were breaking down is now the time to buy and sell cards. So we, we started off with kind of the discussion about you know the overall market card show traffic being up, eBay sales being up. As you dove into the data a little more deeply, what are your thoughts right now as to where the market is? Yeah, I like to do a market update every few months. I think you did the last one. We've, we kind of go through it every quarter just to see where things are going. We walk through our different market pulse indexes, get into price movements. The one thing that I saw was vintage football actually went up. Everything else, almost everything else universally was down to some extent. Ultra modern was but down. But you're looking over the last year here. Looking over the right. last year. And obviously last exactly. year was a pretty bad year yeah. overall for the yep. market. Yeah, 80s football and then vintage right. pre-80s football was up 5%, 8%. Everything else was down. You know, it's, it's interesting to look at different financial markets and see how much those things vary. You know, the Dow versus the S&P. There's variability there too, just like with everything else. And you see that in sports cards, depending on what you're, you're in at different times. There was a really interesting situation, and I, I mentioned this in my data dive uh, up, upcoming this Saturday. Somebody at the show was trading cash plus a Dan Marino rookie card for a Brock Purdy. No. Oh, boy. On Saturday at Culture Collision. Oh, boy. So this is, this is and there were a lot of conversations like that at our booth, having just talking to people about risk. So when I'm looking at the market right now, I think there's opportunities. Things have come down enough that I feel good about the price and I'm looking for meaningful things. I told you I picked up a Topps Chrome Peyton Manning rookie card. If it goes down more, okay. I think that card's pretty good long right. term and that's right. what, and if it bounces back and rebounds like crazy in the next year, okay, maybe I'll sell it and get back into it later. But that's the type of stuff that I'm targeting. Unique pieces, things I don't see a lot, but I'm really happy with where prices are right now. They're down to 2020 you know, prices in, in a lot of cases and that gives me confidence that I'm not you know, overpaying. How about you, Doug? You got that confidence? Okay. <laughs> so, you know, we're talking about how ultra-modern prices have been a bit beat up when you go and look. Well, they, they should, if you think about it. Ultra-modern prices should get beat up. Ultra-modern, if you're buying ultra-modern, you're doing one of two things. You're either buying a PC, someone you collect that you're not intending to sell, or you're speculating. And if you're speculating, you might win a few, but most of those are going to lose. That's just how it's going to be. Um, I don't think that we're probably you know, at, at the bottom yet. I still think we haven't seen the full effects of uh, the junk slab era. Every, it seems like every week we get lower and lower prices and lower, lower turnaround times from all the different grading companies. So people are just sending everything they've got in to get graded. As that comes back, it's just going to water down base cards even more. And for ultra modern, it's gonna water down things like PSA nines even more. I think you're going to see tens being the only way to go in a lot of cases if you're looking for something for investment. So, you know, I think that's going to be a big deal and also, um, you know, less desired brands and higher print runs and things of that nature are all going to kind of play a, a, a role in this. So I think we're a little away from, from bottoming out. I just, uh, you know, it'll probably happen sometime this year when a lot of these submissions start coming back and everything, but not yet, to, in my opinion. You mentioned at the card show that TCG was hot. You yeah. said that a little yeah, bit yeah. earlier today. I've heard from a lot of card shops, a lot of sports card shops, that they're selling a ton of TCG, that Pokemon is really one of the really hot things for them right now. And Pokemon was down less last year than, than many sports cards were. It went down a bit in the market, but if you compare Pokemon indexes to indexes of sports cards, Pokemon held stronger than, than most, not all, but than most. So that'll be interesting to keep an eye on 
TCG as well. If you're into that thing, of course, collect what you love, collect what you love, invest in what you love. Don't invest just for the money. So if you don't give a damn about Pikachu or Charizard, then don't rush out and buy Pikachu and Charizard. Buy, buy who you love and Hopefully you'll do a smart job of picking the right ones and those will go up over time. All right, we got some more great topics to talk about submitted by you, our listeners. But first, a quick break. So another way that we know that sports card sales have been heating up recently is we can look at the sales volume through that sports card investor app because a lot of people use that app to find the best possible deals on more than a million sports cards. If you don't have the app yet, it's free. It is the sports card investor app. Go to the app store on your phone and download the sports card investor app. If it's already on your phone, open it up and look who is trending today. Okay, Doug, we're going to get into our next topic. Speaking of buying and selling sports cards, one of our readers asked, What makes a card liquid? When you go to a card show like we did this last weekend, there's a lot of people talking about liquid cards. I wanna wanna buy liquid cards. I wanna sell liquid cards. Well, what makes a card more liquid and what makes a card perhaps not liquid at all? Help define this for us. It's a pretty tall task to do in just a couple of minutes. There's so many ways to attack this. Uh, I think one of the things that's important to uh, take a look at when you're determining liquidity of a card is price point. A liquid card probably has to be under a certain price point, so it appeals to a broader audience. I think you need to look at things like the player either needs to be a very hyped player or a currently trending player, or they need to be maybe one of the top five or ten guys in their current sport, and that sport probably has to be going on right now. It can't be in the offseason when people aren't necessarily thinking about it. Um, Other things to look at might be um, the grade of the card, right, or compared to raw. I think liquid cards tend to be PSA 10s or 9.5s, whereas anything that's in a lower grade might, might not be as liquid, where raw might actually also be more liquid than a, a fairly lower graded card because you have that opportunity to go from raw to graded. I think you need to look at brand as well. You know, Prism or Optic is going to be more liquid than something like Origins. So stick to you know, the flagship brands, stick to the, you know, the top players, stick to a certain price point. Um, there's a lot of different things to look at, so it's kind of hard to really nail that down, but that's where I would start. Yeah, I think those are all good suggestions. I think also, you know, if it's an, if it's an insert card, it may not be as liquid. It may not be more sought after, whereas, you know, if it's like a numbered Prism, the true Prism, you know, card of a player, that thing tends to always, you know, get a lot more attention and therefore has more buyers, which equates to liquidity. Other things we should be thinking about in regards to this, Teapot. Well, I think uh, Doug hit on all the right points. It has to be, you know, a player that's in demand. It has to be a well-known set. There has to be uh, exposure. It needs to be something that's known to people. And and that's overall what really it needs to have uh, to be regularly transacting, right? So if you can see recent uh, sales comms, it gives people confidence when they're making a purchase to go within five to 10% below or above as part of negotiation, buying the card, then feeling confident. Oh, if I have regret or I change my mind next week or a month or a year from now, this card sells enough that I know what to sell it for. I know quickly that I can get out of it. I can put it on an auction or buy it now. It doesn't mean it's the best investment or the best buy or even the best thing for a flip. There are people, there was uh, somebody at the show this last weekend 
he had a, an autoed card of a player. He came up and said, what do you think this is worth? We talked about it. I found some comps. It was a very obscure card of a well-known player. And I said I thought the card was worth three to 4K. And there was some sales history to suggest that, albeit earlier last year. And he was like, I think it's worth 10K. Well, he came back the next day and said, I got seven for it. Wow. It, was, it was just a card that didn't have sales comps. So when you have a card like that, if you're willing and you, you know, start high, if that's your hustle, if that's what you're after, you can still make money like that. You just, it can be harder to move that stuff. I know several dealers uh, deal in high-end cards, mm-hmm. one-of-ones. It can be tough, but then you can have like these really big weekends at shows. So it just depends on what you're in, you know, what you're in for and, and how confident you are that you can sell a card or get somebody, you know, find somebody who wants it. All, all excellent points, and thank you for the question out there. And also thank you for this next question. One of our other viewers in the YouTube comments on last week's show wanted to know our thoughts on old school PRISM cards. So now you're going back to the first years of PRISM, 2012, 2013, basketball, football. Are these cards undervalued? It seemed like they were all the rage you know, maybe 18 months ago. So it'd be kind of funny to think about them as undervalued today, but maybe they are undervalued because the population counts are so low on some of these cards. What say you, Teapot? I think 2012 Prism Basketball is the one that got thrust into the limelight the most. And I think it's over overhyped, overrated. Um, I think it's a great set. It's, I think it's one of the better Prism sets. I hear a lot of people say it's the best. That I really don't agree with. Uh, and I think if you look at it, the base cards in particular to me, I guess I'm not a big fan of just base chromium finish cards. Refractors are amazing, all the parallels, but sometimes those look a little washed out to me. It's the same reason I'd, I think Kobe's base tops chrome rookie card is kind of overrated. And I don't really care about this first year of the set hype. Rookie cards matter. Does first year set matter as much? Personally, I don't think so. So I'd ask you, you guys this question. I pulled up some LeBron charts here. Uh, on our price movements. And I've got, for example, his BGS 10 pristine right here, uh, uh, 2012 Prism base card, right? $574. And as you look at all the other cards, I put in a price range of 550 to 600. I'd much rather have this blue 2013 Prism in a PSA 10. Uh, I'd much rather have this gold, gold medallion in a PSA 9 rookie card, which is very low population. There are several cards on this chart that I would rather have when you guys look at this and the card, the other cards that are on here, does the does the BGS 10 2012 Prism jump off the page and scream at you? It actually does for me <laughs> because it does for me because of the the I, I feel like that's a very iconic image, but there are other iconic ones in that price range you've got on the screen as well. Like for example, his 2004 Tops is on that screen and and his. Uh, uh, the chalk toss from yeah. 2008 chalk toss. Uh, is on that. On and the I did the same well. thing for the so, PSA 10. And yeah. you can kind of scroll through. There's actually even more that jump off at me. And I'd rather have that tie dot. Like yeah. there's several that I'd rather have. I, I hear you. I hear you on that. But but I, I, I get where you're generally coming from. Do you agree, Doug, with Teapot that first year Prism is a bit overhyped? I do. Uh, you know, sadly, we had I had someone come up to me at the Culture Collision show, say he watches cards on the table, says one of his favorite things is when Teapot and I don't agree on things and we go back and forth. So I'm sorry to say I agree on this. Um, chromium cards from prison, when they're base, they just, they're like, they're grayed out, they look dull. I prefer optic or something like that when it's base, where it's just not that same monotone. Um, so go back to 2012, 2013 prism. And one of the things about that is there's no room for speculation anymore. Those guys pretty much are established. They are what they are. We know what we're getting out of anything from that, that year. 
So that's why those prices might be a little lower than you might expect because we can't make any of those spec plays like we can with Ultra Modern. I think that definitely plays into it. Aesthetics aside, you might prefer how a certain card design looks, and that's great. And then you get in the whole thing if it's what's first year Prism, like. Does that matter? You know, that's, that's again, that's totally subjective. I don't care that much, but, um, you know, I'd rather just have a rookie card than someone's first year of a certain set. My biggest question is, will there be Prism five, ten years down the road from now? If I feel like we Fanatics is going to somehow acquire Prism and, and continue the brand and continue to keep that as a premier brand, I place more stock in 2012 Prism. But if Prism goes away as a brand... 20 years from now may not have that much One relevance. thing we can all agree on, 2016 Prism was just not good. That one was, if I'm ranking them, that one's at the bottom in its own class. Yeah. Well, we are certainly out of time today, guys, but thank you for all of the great questions. And leave your question right now for next week. Go into the YouTube comments. Let us know what you want us to talk about next week. If you enjoyed the show, please give it a like and subscribe. And we'll see you soon with our next episode. Take care.